October 20th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the Denver City Council giving its initial approval to contract revisions for the new entry sign at DIA this week. Under the change, DIA will now spend $15 million versus $7 million, taking over the major financial responsibility from Panasonic due to federal highway laws now uh, hampering the deal with the sign. Patty Calhoun from Westward uh, this sounds like a crazy deal. Did someone just not double-check the laws that pertain to a sign on a highway? They allege they checked the laws, and there's some gray area. But what is not going to be gray is this gaudy sign, assuming it works. And it could be like the automated baggage system from uh, when DIA was originally supposed to open. We could still have problems there. But don't forget that Denver now, as a compromise, gets to keep the revenue from the advertising. And I don't think everyone realized what we're going to have is some really big billboard advertising. What, Chick-fil-A, marijuana, I mean, whatever. Welcome to Colorado. <laughs> Welcome to Colorado, indeed. Uh, Roger Hudson, uh, the uh, proprietor of the Hudson Firm, political consultant, former PIO, the attorney general. What do you think are, you know, I think when we travel as Denverites, we're right. or Coloradans, we go to Las Vegas, we go to other big cities, we see sure. cities known for big ads. I don't know if Denver is known for ads like this. Are we ready? I don't think anybody's ready for this, right? I, I mean, you mentioned the Attorney General. All I see is a long line of lawsuits, right? I mean, it's just every, every car accident that happens along that way, it's like the sign made me do it. It lit up and it, it, I, I lost it, especially in the snow. Uh, I just, I don't see it happening. I mean, I, I may be outnumbered here, but that's such a large piece to bite off of. Uh, I just don't think Colorado cares or wants that. I'd rather see the mountains. Forget the sign. <laughs> Eric Sonneman joins us, political analyst. Uh, Eric, we have seen some other sponsorship opportunities related to the airport go awry. I'm not sure if they had to do it over again. The University of Colorado would put naming rights on the <laughs> A-line that may work, might not work, depending on the coin flip. Uh, do you think this is going to be a popular selling point for the city of Denver now that it owns an enormous sign at DIA? No, I think the $15 million price tag, I mean, that just leaves such a bad taste in so many voters and so many taxpayers' right. mouth that stuff like this, you know, everyone wonders why we have Tabor, why is government held in such disrespect? It's because of anecdote after anecdote, just like this one. I cannot imagine anyone driving out on Pena Boulevard across the prairie and then all of a sudden looking at a sign saying, oh, this is DIA, that's where I'm headed. You know, that's, why do we need a sign telling people where they're going? It is obvious where you're going. The airport's now been up for, what, 22 years or something like that? It's existed reasonably well without a $15 million sign. Maybe I'm just an old curmudgeon at this point, but I don't get it. Natasha Gardner, Articles Editor with 5280. Are you surprised that this, at least for the initial approval, seemed to sail through the City Council? 
No, because they're kind of stuck with it now. We're already well along the way with this sign. I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack, though. I, I Actually, now that we're here, the price tag is big, yes, but I'm interested to see how it works out. You know, when they put the Union Station sign down, who knows, who can remember what that cost? I'm guessing it was not a small sum at the time. And now it's become an iconic image of what Denver is and who we are. You know, IKEA is selling photographs of it. People have it in their homes. It's a point of pride for people. It's a branding and a logo. Could this sign be that? Who knows? But I would, I'm willing to give it a chance. I think that DIA still suffers from the sense that it's like out in Kansas, that it's, it's so far removed from the metro. And if you look at the designs of this, the long linear curve, like how it connects, it could be a line connecting to Denver. There's an artistic uh, sort of argument to be made for connecting this DIA sign and the DIA complex to the greater Denver area. So I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. I greatly appreciate your optimism, but I'm a little worried that if 100 years from now that that sign is now in historic Denver postcards, we'll be living in some sort of Back to the Future Biff Tannen universe. Uh, but but I'm hoping it, it turns out as, as rosy as you paint the picture. It's very nice. Election 2017 has commenced as voters in Colorado counties receive their mail-in ballots this week. Denver voters will decide school board races, a major bond package, and Initiative 300 that will require large new buildings to have rooftop gardens or solar panels. Aurora and Lakewood voters will decide contentious city council races. And for the uh, Denverites out there to trying to figure out the, all the different uh, uh, things on the go, is it the go ballot proposal? The uh, latest Westward has a pretty good uh, piece by Anna Campbell, all uh, breaking it down. Patty, tell us more about that and what, Denverites, what we should expect from Denver voters uh, this election. Hard to tell what to expect from Denver voters right now. I think you can kind of divide their support on the go bonds the way they feel about Amazon. There are a lot of people who say, city's growing too much. We should have taken care of some of these problems. Do we want to give the city a lot more money, although it'll come from bonds, arguably not from taxpayers directly? Do we want to give the city more money so we can grow more? So there's a backlash on a lot of these. It's divided between A through G. You don't have to vote for all of them. You can pick and choose. So one of the good ones is for the library. There's some one for rec centers. Really good one for Denver Health and a new facility there that is definitely needed. There's a question about the arts and culture districts, whether or not that we should be giving the museums and some of the cultural institutions more money for more building when they already have the SCFD. But the responses we've gotten right now divide a lot along the Amazon lines. We want to grow or we don't. We're mad at the city or we're not. And so we're going to see a lot of action there. But in Denver, it is like a cakewalk compared to Douglas County over the school board. I mean, the fights going on in the suburbs are a lot more rowdy, except for Initiative 300, which is not going to make it here, the Green Roof one. And I would like to ask why Denver doesn't just rename the initiatives. Last time we voted for 300, it was pot. The time before that, it was a wage issue with restaurants. Before that, remember when we were supposed to have the um, Safety Through Peace initiative? That was also 300. They never quite go through. That's a good point. The initiative 300 seems like the kiss of death there. It's, it's, it's worse than a Well, it worked with social or media and the social marijuana uh, consumption, except we still don't have any applications. Good point, good point. Uh, Roger, there, Patty brings up a lot of great points, especially mm -hmm. the battles going on the, in the suburbs. I'm right. a suburbanite myself, and I'm seeing all the, the, the handwritten notes on the back of uh, uh, SUVs in sure. Douglas County saying which uh, uh, school board people to vote for. Right. Are you expecting some bigger rifts in, uh, to come from some of these? The school board is a, a big deal in Douglas County. It's that way in a lot of places. Do you think we're going to see some impact from these races? Oh, yeah, especially the school board races. The Douglas County school board races 
is it's uh, it's it's a monstrous ripple of what comes out if uh, the conservatives lose that board. Uh, there are so many things that are already in play that conservatives are really excited about. The biggest being the Blaine Amendment going in front of the Supreme Court, looking for some clarification with that. If uh, a uh, a less conservative board comes in, and all I have to do is lose one seat, uh, it means that goes away. The Attorney General doesn't get to go to D.C. and argue that case. I know she wants to do that. Um, I know conservatives are also looking to figure out some sort of clarity on uh, what kind of money is um, is in play from public money funds uh, to be able to uh, put into public schools that don't have anything to do with uh, religion. Uh, so making that definition is going to be really important. It's something that's really, uh, it's bringing a lot of money in. Matter of fact, I just read something that was $700 million now from the unions have been put into Douglas County alone. Uh, so I think we're not done. Um, I mean, we've got we've got a couple weeks, right, still before we mm -hmm. see um, the end of that, I think. Yeah, but then the mail-in ballots kind of create this huge right. election day stretch where it's sure. you know, a three-week election day. Eric, there's a lot to choose from here. You have uh, big proposals in Denver about our growth. Aurora, which really I think over the next couple of decades is going to be vying with Denver about the, the, the influence of the whole metro area, a city council, uh, pretty contentious city council races, and everything with school board. Take your pick. What should we be noted of? I'll go in a totally different direction. I sit here, it's October 20th. I flash back on October 20th a year ago and where we were getting ready to elect President Hillary Clinton <laughs> and, you know, mm -hmm. what has become of the last uh, year when that didn't happen. Uh, I think a year ahead to October 20th, 2018, when we will have multiple statewide ballot issues and a very heated, contested race for who's going to be the next governor of Colorado. So I'm sort of enjoying the respite. Yes, we have an election here, but it, as elections go, it is certainly quieter than what we've experienced or quieter than what will uh, come next. In Denver, I hear Patty in terms of the bond issues and how this has sort of catalyzed some of the uh, Amazon Pro and Amazon Con uh, along those dividing lines. These bonds always seem to go through. Well, whoever the mayor is at the time puts them up every six or eight or ten years. Last time was Hickenlooper's A through I proposal. They all went through the cultural facility. One was a little closer, but but they all passed. I have a line I've used on this show before that, you know, for liberal Denver voters, the the more you tax yourself, the closer to God. And <laughs> I, I, I do think. Even though there is more pushback and uh, Amazon has catalyzed it, I expect those to go through. I think the school board races, whether it's in Denver, whether it's in Aurora, obviously the one in Douglas County, which is very, very heated. Uh, to the extent we have heat and fire in this election, I think it is largely around those school board elections, and the stakes are high in terms of the reform-oriented direction. Now, what reform looks like in Douglas County is very different than what it looks like in, de in DPS, but uh, most of these districts have taken a, a reform, uh, choice-minded approach, and, and that approach is very much at stake in these elections. Natasha Eric's right. I mean, even with the contentious races in Douglas County, to the election 2017 is probably one of the more civilized elections we've seen in a little while. Uh, what should we take away from all the different races and all the different ballot issues that are out there right now? Well, I think uh, the key one to focus on, uh, at least from my perspective, is the Denver School Board right now. That race could have huge implications on the city. And it's just, we, we always talk about all politics being local. Like, it doesn't get any more local than the school board, but it sets a standard for the city. It, it's how we attract people to move here. 
It's how we attract families to stay. It's how we raise a, a really a smart and effective workforce. So um, this race has 10 candidates um, for four different slots. Um, the board has been pretty much in, um, I guess, in in kumbaya <laughs> status for a long time. So having a few different candidates um, actually win this, this election would change those votes. It would be less of a 7-0 um, situation, which is typically what happens there. I, I've had an opportunity to actually interview each of the candidates. What's interesting is they start from a point of all wanting to take care of kids and having the best schools possible. That makes sense. After that, it gets very, very different. They have um, different ideologies of how to approach that, ways that they want this to happen, things they think DBS is doing right and things that need to change. Um, where they also do all come back together though is, on, is emphasizing how important this election is for people to vote in because of all those reasons I mentioned. The workforce, the, the communities, our neighborhoods, what this means for the city as a whole. Um, so it, it's one of those things that goes under the radar. We don't think of school board that often but this is an important election for people to turn in their ballots um, on election day. Is the all those interviews available on the website? Uh, as soon as I can file it next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so be, tune in next week to see uh, there's uh, plenty of sources for that information. So let's to our next topic. Third quarter campaign finance numbers for the 2018 gubernatorial race were released this week. Mike Johnston leads among Democratic candidates with $725,000, while Republican Victor Mitchell has $2 million in cash on hand. Total fundraising numbers have already reached close to $10 million for all candidates. Roger, uh, we just got done talking about election 2017, right. which means it's time to talk about election 2018. Hard to imagine, right? Exactly. Yeah. With M Michael Johnson holding that kind of an, I'm not sure if I call it an edge. When you're up against Jared Polis, you can't really mm -hmm. have a money edge. Right. But does it show that he's uh, still a force to be reckoned with if with all these people still joining the race, he's still able to raise decent numbers? Yeah, because I think the numbers that even you just said, Victor, all the money that you just talked about from Victor is his own money. Right. He's putting that in. And Jared's the same way. He's putting that in. Uh, Mike has actually raised this himself. He's gone out and made the calls. Somebody else who's doing very well is Donna Lynn, more, more so than I thought. She has, um, she's moving forward as a business-type candidate versus a healthcare-type candidate, trying to push out in front of John's uh, shadow. She's doing really well. I expect her in the next quarter to do even better. Um, the really surprise for especially Republicans is, is George Brockler, somebody who has as much of a footprint as he has, who's been as popular as, as he's been. Um, he raised less than $100,000. Uh, he has no money on hand, no cash money on hand. Why he can't inspire a base to come out and support, uh, nobody can really figure it out. Nobody on the Republican side is doing anything like what you're seeing uh, currently for uh, Johnson, good example there with Mike. The only one's doing that, and he's doing it kind of in an interesting way, and that's Stapleton. And all that big money is going into a pack. And so he's kind of sucked all the air out of the room with that. So it's all this kind of dark money that we're not seeing that's not going to be able to be spent by him, but by PACs and, uh, outside of him. I, I think it's going to be really interesting when we see all the spending. We could see a $20 million race here in yeah. Colorado. Easy. Eric, what do you think from what we can gauge right now? I, I get it that we are literally uh, over a year away from the election, but with the Democrats at least right now looking at a bruising primary, it seems that they're going to need more money because it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, what do you see from the tea leaves, from the financial tea leaves we're seeing so far? We spend all our time at this point a year out on those financial tea leaves because it's all, the only thing we can measure at this point. There are no votes, there are no mm -hmm. caucuses, there's nothing else to measure. Sometimes I think the story is overplayed on money. Money is the mother's milk, don't get me wrong. It's critically important, but all these numbers 
are paltry numbers compared to the check that uh, Jared Polis can write, you know, in the 10 seconds it takes him to write himself a check. Uh, all of the numbers on the Democratic side strike me as sufficient to run a meaningful competitive campaign. Roger's right about Donald Lynn. Roger's right about Mike Johnston. Kerry Kennedy this week came out with an impressive list of endorsements. It was a more robust list than I, I expected um, uh, out of 